Hey, listener, Underdog Fantasy is the easiest place to play fantasy sports. Also, the fastest growing fantasy app in the industry. You can play Pick'em. Pick whether your favorite players will have a higher or lower total in each stat for this week's games for a chance to win big. You can actually win up to 100 times your money in a single night. That's right. I didn't say 10. I didn't say 20. Up to 100 times your money. Pick between two and five players. Build a pick them entry. My favorite feature, you can make rivals picks. Hit two players against each other. Wembenyama versus Nikola Jokic. Tim Hardaway Jr. versus Norm Powell. Kawhi Leonard versus Steph Curry. Who knows? Maybe Grayson Allen versus Pat Connaughton. You get where I'm going with that. You can do it all with Underdog Fantasy. Make sure you sign up today with the promo code DING. That's D-I-N-G. And get your first deposit doubled up to $100 as well as an instant Pick'em special. Visit underdogfantasy.com or find them in the app store. And don't forget to register with our promo code DING, D-I-N-G, to get your first deposit doubled up to $100 as well as an instant Pick'em special. Must be 18 or older and present in a state where Underdog Fantasy operates. Terms apply. Concerned with your play? Call 1-800-522-4700 or visit www.ncpgambling.org. Hello, I'm Paul Giamatti. And I'm Stephen Asma. Join us on the Chinwag Podcast every Wednesday where we trade the banal and the boring for the super strange and bizarre. They committed human sacrifice? I did bring up human sacrifice, yes. You sure did. <laughs> that just went by fast. Kind of casually tossed that out. I would like to have an alien uh, hatchet young inside. Holy shit, really? She saw world peace and I saw demons coming out of the wall. I will say that there was a green couch outside of the principal's office and you sat on it if you had lice or if you got in trouble. <laughs> they wake you up from the goo pods to live in reality and you're naked and screaming it's like <laughs> follow us for free on apple podcasts and all major podcast platforms for more information go to chinwagpod.fm and find enlightenment through our instagram or tiktok at chinwagpod or on twitter at chinwag underscore pod R Slash is a hilarious podcast where Dabney Bailey uses ridiculous voices and emotions to read aloud the week's craziest Reddit posts. He reenacts various Reddit threads covering wild stories and secrets, petty revenge, relationships, and much more. So if you're looking for a daily distraction and a laugh, check out R Slash wherever you get your podcasts. How do you guys feels today? Let me tell you, feels is a better way to be. Our premium CBD will keep your head clear and help you feel your best. It reduces anxiety. It reduces pain. It reduces sleeplessness. Feels naturally helps reduce stress, anxiety, pain, sleeplessness. Places a few drops under your tongue and feel the difference within minutes. Are you new to CBD? Well, Feels offers a free CBD hotline to help guide you through the experience. Me personally, had a couple of restless nights during this whole pandemic, wasn't sleeping great, did a couple of feels uh, the next day, boom, out like a light that night. You know, get a little joint pain, I'm getting up there in age, a little feel CBD under the tongue, boom, joint pain gone, greatly reduced. It's so easy to use. It's so good for you. It's just the better way to do your life right now. It will naturally help you feel better. And there's no high. There's no hangover. There's no addiction. 
You can join the Feels community, get the Feels delivered to your door every single month. You'll save money on every order and you can pause or cancel at any time. Become a member and get 50% off your first order. 50% off. It has me feeling my very best every day and it helps you too. 50% off your first order with free shipping by going to feels.com slash ding. That's F-E-A-L-S dot com slash ding. Become a member. 50% off. Taken automatically off your first order with the free shipping. That's feels.com slash ding. Your picks have been horrible, man. It's the point. It's the point of the show. Isn't Isn't it? it? Isn't it? It's possible. I don't understand what this podcast is about. Poppycock. It's a fuckhouse. On a weekly basis, we are consuming more concentrated bad movies than probably anybody in the history of mankind. Poppycock. What story? What story? (laughs) What are you talking about? Do you want lunch? I have yet to laugh in this movie. I'll just tell you that. You picked it, motherfucker. (laughs) Just remember that. You know the problem with Hollywood is? They make shit. Unbelievable, unremarkable shit. I was legitimately offended. You were offended? I I was offended. I didn't know you could get offended. I was offended. This did it. If I were gay, I wouldn't be offended. They're fucking making shit up, I mean! Inconsequential detail after inconsequential yeah. detail after inconsequential detail. Please don't lie. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I'm there holding a mic in my hands and now I'm talking yeah, all over. <laughs> Welcome to Cinephobe, the podcast where we break down the movies you're afraid to admit you love. I'm Zach Harper, that's Amin Hassan. that's Anthony Mays. And this week on Cinephobe, we watch the 1991 action thriller Double Impact, starring Jean-Claude Van Damme, the muscles from Brussels, and also Jean-Claude, Jean-Claude Van, Damme. Van Damme. Man, this was heyday JCVD. Dude, let me tell you right now, this was my opening line. They just don't make action movies like this anymore. Dot, dot, dot. Why? That's a great question. So in this run from 1988 to 1995, Van Damme made Bloodsport, Cyborg, Kickbox, Lionheart, Death Warrant, Double Impact, Universal Soldier, Nowhere to Run, Hard Target, Time Cop, Street Fighter, and Sudden Death. Sudden Death was the hockey one, right? Yeah. Like where the bomb was going to go off at the end of the game? Yes. Oh, what a great, what a great concept. And like the president's like, there, the vice president's there for some reason. The big hockey fans, man. And I've probably only seen Bloodsport. What? Really? What? Yo. You've never seen any of these movies? I was too young. Man. I didn't have an action movie junkie in my life. Oh, God. Just, like, Van Damme was it for me for a long time. Oh, that was oh. my favorite Everyone. action. Look, this is, these are, we talking about movies I watched when I was in Sudan, man. Think about that. Like wow. movies that require a limited grasp of the English language, always gonna be huge. Like uh, some dude kicking his way out of trouble, whatever. It's true. And, awesome. and Jean-Claude Van Damme definitely has a limited grasp of the English language. <laughs> oh man, he plays uh, twin brothers in this one, and 
we're going to get into it, but man, I love the way those scenes are shot where they're together. 1991. Yeah, it is. It's amazing. Expensive. Uh, we also have Jeffrey Lewis, who's been in a ton of things, been in Maverick, uh, Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil. He was in an episode of Webster called Wild Wild Web. Uncle Frankie. Uncle Frank. Not your uh, uncle, also, kid. Also has Alana Shaw, and this was her biggest role. This is what she's been in, I mean, other than Double Impact. She was an episode of Miami Vice. Oh, it's definitely definitely got the look. She was an episode of Diagnosis Murder. So she plays corpses. And she was in an episode of The Drew Carey Show. Yeah, uh, corpses. <laughs> the weird episode where Drew flips out and murders a, a hot right. woman. Okay. <laughs> that, was, that was a serious finale. We get Philip Chan, <laughs> who played Zhang in this. Uh, he was yeah. also in Bloodsport, and he was in Super Cop with Jackie Chan. You can't say Zang. You got to say Zang. Zang. <laughs> it wouldn't be a John Claude Van Damme action movie without Bolo Young, Yo. who was oh, Sean Lee oh. from Bloodsport, and he was Bolo from Enter the Dragon. Oh Yo, Bolo was one of the most terrifying people as a child, man. Oh I was, God. I was legit scared of Bolo, man. Do you yeah. guys know how much, like his his height and weight? No. Five six two thirty. Yeah. Jesus. Mini Zion looks absolutely. Bolo was scary, man. Bolo's yeah. in a lot of movies. Where's the fuck out of a suit? Oh, and that dude can flex. Oh, man. Like, <laughs> that man can pop his pecs. Like, no offense to Terry Crews. Those are the pecs I'm afraid of. <laughs> man can pop his pecs. That man's got delts. That man's got traps. That man's got everything. Yeah, oh, both. man, he knows how to flex. <laughs> He's a real one. Bolo flex. Okay. <laughs> Right. That was a that was a Bowflex joke. If you guys aren't keeping up, at all. I don't know if anyone knows what a Bowflex is. <laughs> Maze, do you know what a Bowflex is? Fuck yeah, I remember those infomercials. Okay, all right. Yeah, I'm okay. just since we young. I didn't know. Have either of you ever touched one? No, I don't no. know anyone who has one. You know what? Remember when Bowflex came out with the the weight that was like you punch in how much weight you wanted, and then it was like a dumbbell. Punch a button, and it would be like forty pounds. And oh, and it would like unlock. Yeah, yeah, that one. Yeah, I've, I've I've used that one before. The sons used to have that in their weight room. So I was like, oh, look at that. I feel like the same people that were buying Bowflexes were all up on Girls Gone Wild. Oh yeah, have to. And and uh, shake weight, shake weight, all at the same time. Rompo yeah. Peel Pasta Maker, the rotisserie. Oh, no, hold on now. Now you wait. Wait a goddamn second before you talk ill of the <laughs> of the pasta. You know how bad I don't. It doesn't even sound appetizing to me. I just wanted to buy it and make chocolate pasta. Doesn't oh. even sound good. <laughs> what? But I just wanted to see what it what it would what it would do. Well, yeah. Does it boil the same way? Well, you know, no time like the present, Zach. <laughs> Can you still get a Rompo Peel pasta maker? <laughs> I could get a used one that's like new for fifty bucks or one hundred eight bucks. <laughs> I say get it, and then it'll make it on the great train voyage. More chocolate pasta, maze. Don't mind if I do. Well, I wasted a lot of money on that. Uh, Esther Haas. Yes, I have two copies of his book, and I have two copies of Theodore Rex. I have nothing to do with them now that the live show got, oh, got canceled. Man. I was going to bring them and give them out to the crowd. That would have been nice. That would have been a nice look. It would have been. It would have been a funny little joke for those cynophobics. Cynophobics? What are our fans called? Cynophobiacs. Cynophobiacs. Yeah, there. Yeah. Would you rather have the food dehydrator, the Ron Popeil pasta maker, or the rotisserie oven? No, no. I'm going to go with the pasta maker, man. Make your own pasta. Go food dehydrator. 
Nah, fuck that. Like Back to the Future, or that was a rehydrator, right? That was a rehydrator. <laughs> You'd go crazy on that right now. That's true. You'd be I would. Dehydrating everything, dog. Oh man, wouldn't have a choice. This movie was directed by Sheldon Lettich, who directed Lionheart and The Order, both Van Damme movies, and he also directed The Last Patrol with Dolph Lundgren. So he knows oh, action. Wow. Uh, yeah. Lettich wrote this movie with Jean Claude Van Damme. Questionable. <laughs> Questionable. Questionable to whether there was a script. This feels like it could be a Curb Your Enthusiasm outline type movie. That's fair. Sheldon also wrote on Bloodsport for the screenplay slash story, Rambo 3, Lionheart, and Legionnaire. Bonafides. Yeah, oh God. And then Van Damme also wrote on Kickboxer, Lionheart, The Quest, Legionnaire, and The Order. We also get writing credits from Steve Mearson, who wrote on Star Trek IV, The Voyage Home, and Anna and the King, and his writing partner, Peter Kreitz. We're on the same thing. That's kind of weird. They yeah. come in to clean it up, I guess. I, I don't uh, know. It's it's not totally clear. Have you guys how way, this movie I, came together? Have either of you ever watched the movie JCVD? I've never seen it. It is really good. I've heard it's, it's excellent. It's it's Van Damme playing himself. Yeah, and there's like a hostage situation at a post office, and everyone expects him like to save the day, and he's like, "I'm just an actor." I'm like, but then he actually has to save the day. But he's Van Damme. He plays himself. So, that's so here's the thing. I got really excited about JCVD, and then I heard it was good, and I kind of lost interest after that. Oh, you wanted it to be really bad? I wanted it to be bad. It's a Sonic the Hedgehog situation. Uh, <laughs> Except Sonic was terrible. No, no, it wasn't. I'm so mad that I watched that. Ugh. Synopsis for Double Impact. Twin brothers are separated when their parents are murdered, but 25 years later, they reunite in order to avenge their parents' death. Mm. I like I like by the way, looked a little old for twenty five. Just gonna throw that out there. A little bit, yeah. They should have gone thirty, I think. Thirty yeah. would have been nice. At most, like those kids weren't even a, a year old, right? Like what was no. it, six months, seven months, something like that? Something like that, yeah. Yeah. Tagline Double Van Dam. Oh nice. We <laughs> have extras there, huh? though. We have extras. Uh-huh. One packs a punch, one packs a piece. Together, they deliver. They both packed a punch. Yeah. And they both packed pieces. Another tagline. Feel the impact. That's a little, you know, they could, you could have gone with that for deep impact. Double impact, not so much. Another one that's kind of like the, the second one I read. Twin brothers torn apart by violence on a mission of revenge. One packs a punch, one packs a piece. Together, that's, they deliver. That's not a tagline. That's like... <laughs> synopsis and then last one twin brothers separated by violence now together in a mission of revenge okay yeah double van damme (laughs) was the right call yeah yeah 15 million dollar estimated budget for this one grossed 30 million dollars u.s and worldwide that's it it's a hit no. I feel like the syndication alone should have pushed this crazy like this movie was always on VHS sales. Let's jump into this movie before listening to the rest of this podcast because there are spoilers. Double Impact can be found on Stars, or you can rent it. Double Impact receives 35% from critics on 20 reviews on Rotten Tomatoes, 42% from the audience on over 48,000 ratings. But here's 42 the, from the audience? Yeah. Liars, I don't know liars. what their problem was. So here's the thing, though, with the critic reviews. Like four positive ones came in the last like six years. So what? It's kind of so like it was actually lower. Yeah. yeah. And so before that, it must have been fifteen percent. 
That's that's ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, do you want the negative reviews or the positive reviews? Give me give me some of the positive ones. Man. Okay. Feel good. Ed Travis of Synapse. The film is a brisk 110 minutes long. If you tabulate all the awesomery that occurs during that runtime, Double Impact's excellence simply cannot be disproven. Okay. Uh, repeat reviewer here, Brian Orndorff of BrianOrndorff.com. Again, I'm not I'm not sold on this guy, but go ahead. Van Damme was never great with drama, lousy with the English language, but put the man in tight pants and surround him with Asian stuntmen, and there's pure joy to be had. Yeah, that's pretty accurate. Felix Vasquez Jr. of Cinema Crazed. A damn By the way, good. That, that last review must have been one of the recent ones. Yes. Yeah, well, both of the all, all three of these that I'm reading here yeah. are recent ones. Because I'm gonna say no, no one would notice how tight the pants were back in 1990. Right. Like then they were just called pants. <laughs> Felix Vasquez Jr. of Cinema Crazed. A damn good action film with some of the best Van Damme fights ever filmed. Oh man, I like the uh, the uh, the wordplay there. Damn good. They spell uh, it D-A-M-M-E? No. Oh, spell it normal. Up. Yeah. You fucking douche. User review, Paul L., five out of five stars. This is cheese with a hint of extra cheese, but all caps, I love it. Seriously, anything JCVD did in the 80s and early 90s was a thing of beauty. What is better than one JCVD? Two JCVDs. I just hope the sequel that has been long talked about will become a thing. I mean, who doesn't want not one JCVD, not two JCVDs, <laughs> but three JCVDs? Alex and Chad have another brother. I mean, come on. Was that? Is that? <laughs> it's Gemini, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> All right, here are the negative ones. Matt Brunson from Film Frenzy. Some decent hand-to-hand, or rather, foot-to-foot combat. Too many dull shootouts and dopey dialogue that sounds even dopier coming from Van Damme. Dull? No, there was no fight scene that was dull. Rich Klein of Shadows on the Wall. Bone-crushingly stupid, but one of Van Damme's better efforts. Kind of feels positive there, right? Yeah, I don't, yeah I'm, not, I'm, not see, I'm not sensing the negativity in that. Right. <laughs> Roger Ebert of Chicago Sun-Times. I feel a twinge of nostalgia for the bargain basement Chuck Norris and Bruce Lee pictures, which had fewer pretensions and projected a crazed intensity. Let me say this right now. Bruce Lee, maybe. But them Chuck Norris movies are terrible, bro. Yeah, they're so sad. The Delta Force shit is so bad. (laughs) Just to watch the Delta Force just to laugh, man. You know what I love? You know what they should bring back? American Ninja. American Ninja, yeah. Yeah, it's, American Ninja was uh, with a the, great series. Great with my franchise. Man with, the, with the Jerry Curl. Like, with the Jerry Curl. You think he was the star? Of American Ninja? Yeah. That's the only person I remember. The I white guy remember. was the ninja. No, no, no. Michael Dudikoff. No, black guy was. <laughs> oh, you're thinking Steve James. <laughs> to America. Is that, yeah. This is a two America situation. Right? Yeah, with the mustache. Yeah, he's no, not the star of the movie. Yeah, he is. No, he's not. Michael Dudikoff is. He's the American he's in, ninja. He's movie. He's, he's on the movie. fucking How's poster. That? He's on the poster of it. What are you talking about? <laughs> You're talking about <laughs> Steve James is the, is the fucking star of American oh, Ninja. He's, he's the American. Isn't he the no, American No, Michael Dudikoff is. Are you out of your I've been watching mind? African American Ninja. <laughs> hey, you get, guess what? Steve James, you my ninja. I, I can say it. Say it. <laughs> Dude, is an American Ninja. American Ninja 2, The Confrontation. American Ninja. We didn't make American Ninja 3. He was in American Ninja 4, The Annihilation, though. 
I bet you who was in three, though. Okay, so we got an issue here, I mean. What's up? Steve James in American Ninja 1, 2, and 3, but not 4. They split him up. Two Americas. <laughs> this should tell you everything. I bet you three was more successful than four. Oh. I don't even know. I bet, I bet they both made 80 bucks. Like, what are you talking <laughs> about? <laughs> no. Bet you everything three made more than four. I bet I bet they weren't in the theaters. I bet there was no box office. American <laughs> <laughs> Ninja 4 doesn't even have a budget listed. <laughs> 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 I just... I just <laughs> I'm gonna piss myself. <laughs> okay, American Ninja Four did three hundred fifty-eight thousand dollars. Oh, yes, I win! I win! American Ninja Three did nine hundred two thousand. I saw American. That's the worst. Part. I saw American Ninja Threes. Bought off his person. I started laughing. <laughs> oh, not Oh my god. Oh God! <laughs> nine hundred grand. How do you make nine hundred grand? <laughs> there you have it, man. I think I won that argument. No. You want to go ahead and uh, go on about the podcast, man? Like Scott Weinberg of E Film Critic, also known as the one with two Van Dams. <laughs> Fuck you, Scott. User John W. Zero point five stars out of five stars. Hands down, the worst movie ever besides Night at the Roxbury. Okay, first of all, this guy's watching movies from all across different eras. Second of all, it's not the worst movie ever. Hello, we just watched Gotti two weeks ago. Which you filed. (laughs) (laughs) And then last, last review, user Bill S. One out of five stars. Twice the Van Damme. Oh, fucking great. Twice the Headache. Oh, come on, man. What is he getting hit in the head? What's going on here? A lot of people didn't like this movie, apparently. Yeah, man. Um, I don't know what they're talking about. All right. What, was your, open, what, what, was, your, what was your opening line? Your opening note? They just don't make action movies like right. this anymore. Dot, dot, dot. Why? Mine was all caps. Dramatic opening credits. Yeah, it is, man. Movie. Like, the music's tense. That was a thing. Like, action movies, boom, hey. You're not, you didn't come to see, this is not date night. No. This is action. Like, you knew it immediately. They weren't going to sugarcoat it. No, you and, knew next we're getting snapped. Oh, yeah, man. That's what you knew. And, and then the next, next comment was, Bolo, this dude was bad as hell. <laughs> Wait, that's your next comment? Yeah. Got a lot to fill then. Uh, we got a helicopter shot of the city. I wasn't sure which city at first. It looked like some Chinese New Year celebration. Then I saw the sign for Victoria Harbor Tunnel. So I Googled it. We're in Hong, Hong Kong. Kong. You, didn't, you didn't know it was in Hong Kong? Man, come on, man. I couldn't remember which one was which. Because well, they didn't have movies in like Shanghai and stuff like that back then. I don't know. There was hills at first with a helicopter shot in like some city. I was like, that doesn't look like San Francisco. There are two white babies in the crowd and some British people talking. They do bank dealings. An underwater tunnel has opened to connect Hong Kong and the mainland. That's what the celebration is about. Ribbon-cutting ceremony. I mean, would you ever want to be a part of a ribbon-cutting ceremony? I think I would. I think I'd like to hold the big scissors. See okay. how, how wieldy or unwieldy they are. Yeah, I wonder how heavy they are. They're not plastic, or at least right. they don't look plastic. Parents and the kids are driving home separately now from Frank, who's the security guy. The family's being followed, and the dad notices that he has a tail. He tells Frank they're being followed. Frank speeds towards where he thinks they might end up. The henchmen meet the family at their residence, 
and Bolo fires a shotgun at the dad. He doesn't go down like a bitch, though. He gets a few rounds off first. Yeah, he does yeah. get a few rounds off. He pulls a gun from the glove box, fires back. Everybody is out in the open, and nobody's hitting anybody. Aim was kind of a hard thing for movies in the 90s, man. The dad gets shot from behind, and I don't understand how the gun wound worked there. It looked like he got, like, eviscerated. He just got got clipped by, like, a, a handgun. Oh, man. It looked like I, he got hit by a sniper rifle. Man, those things are high-powered. The wife gets out, and she gets shot. She's really overacting, but at the same yeah. time, when she starts saying, my babies, my babies, Maze, she's acting her ass off. <laughs> And then, and then shoots her in the face with a shotgun at point blank range. Her head's gone at this point, right? Got to send the message. Her head would have to be gone. That range? No, no thoughts. No, I mean not really. It might be. It might have been birdshot. It was not. There's no way Bolo is going hunting with birdshots for humans. I don't buy that. (laughs) Frank pulls up and he's firing. He shoots Bolo. He uh, instructs the nanny to get the kids out of there, and she only grabs one. <laughs> yeah, that's. I was like, first of all, yeah, like, the nanny just took one and said, fuck it. And then the other thing is, and we'll see this in a, in a minute, what she does with the one. She wasn't even trying to fuck with that baby for that much longer. Is that doing a good job? Saving one is better than saving zero? Why could she grab both? I mean, they're kind of big babies. I mean, I mean, what are you doing in that situation, dude? I'm grabbing both. I have twins, so I got to grab both. And but- then you're keeping them? I'm not a nanny. Like, a nanny would know what to do, right? Like, to raise them as one of their own, right? But you're saying that you would keep them. If I were the nanny, yeah. If I was a nanny, I would keep them. I'm just curious. I don't know. I feel like she was fucking scared shitless from the triads, and she did pretty good. Just to dump the child at an orphanage? Yeah. To take one child, first of all, and then take that one child and just dump it immediately at an orphanage. Well, it's obviously a plot device, so there's that. But... I think taking him to the orphanage is perfectly acceptable. It's a white baby, and there's fucking gangsters looking for it. Like, get the <laughs> okay. fuck rid of that. All right. Okay. I mean, it is Hong Kong. White babies aren't exactly like a rarity. With an Asian stepmom? Maybe. I don't know. I've never been to Hong Kong. You think they adopt white babies like we adopt Asian babies? No. <laughs> they, got, they won't let them have Asian babies. <laughs> it's Hong Kong. It's not China. You got to think about it. This is pre-unification uh, with China. Relax, Daryl Moore. <laughs> all right uh frank shoots bolo in the face but then gets uh, shot in the shoulder it's a real confusing showdowns in this movie before he escapes with the baby the other baby nigel griffith from the ceremony was in on it we hear we see him uh standing there with zang he's in on it zang. uh frank escapes on a boat in the morning and then we get 25 years later and i mean we're in hollywood baby yeah yeah very, very familiar scenics very familiar. I really like that, by the way. Have you noticed that? Like, Zach, since you live in L.A. now, do you, you notice now when you watch old, not current movies, we watch old movies and there's scenes in L.A., you're like, yeah, man, I know exactly where that is. I know, yeah, no, that's what I do. I'm like, oh, that's near that. Oh, I, yeah. you know, I know someone who lives near there. I live near that. Whatever. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Van Damme is an aerobics or workout instructor. It's hard to tell. He's stretching some woman out, and there are a lot of women well, working out all, looking at him stretch her. Well, first of all, the colors are just amazing. But colors second of all, the whole scene is shot to imply that him and this woman are copulating. Yes. Right? 
she's on her back and she's moaning and then they pull out and they show uh-huh. <laughs> I just realized what I just said there. <laughs> they show she's actually just getting stretched by him. She's not they're not actually doing it. And all these women are watching him kind of full fawning over him doing this. And everyone in the scene is dressed in the most brilliant colors ever. Like there ain't no regular like grays or whatever, like regular workout clothes. Everything is purple and hot pink and and like really royal blue and everything is spandex of course and then he he gets up and says stretching is really important and then demonstrates by telling them because of my big legs and karate i can do the splits easy and my question is why do big legs help with doing the splits wouldn't it hinder them that's what i would imagine right maybe this is for our female listeners if a, if a guy does the splits in front of you, are you thinking, oh, he can fuck? <laughs> like, I guess well, like, I there's a, like there's a limberness that I, I guess would be intriguing, but it's not the same as seeing a woman do the splits. Right, exactly. Although that, that's I, guess, I guess there's like I'm a pile drive it. element to it. I don't know. I don't know. I don't think you need to do the splits to do that. You can just like have your legs regular right. <laughs> and like just behind you. Like, they don't have to be to the sides. Not right. Like, you get a, a better angle on that right yeah i don't know uh he gives a high kick to the side he says he yeah. splits like you said yeah the women are intrigued and knowing van damme how many of these women do you think had to sleep with him to be in the scene all of them no. all oh. nine. Oh wow we had two really different answers there uh well i i misunderstood i thought you meant like his character i didn't mean like van damme oh no, no 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 van damme in real life yeah van damme in real life definitely smashed all right, uh, this is Chad. That's Van Damme's name. Frank walks in, says he needs <laughs> Chad to take over the karate class. Yo, hold on, guys. When he hits those splits, though, it's magnificent. Like two Christmas hams. Oh, yeah. No, those onions popping. Bringing tears. <laughs> it's a file. Lock it in. The splits did it. <laughs> is, that, is that your golden dumpster? <laughs> <laughs> Some got a dumpster for him. It might be. It's it's a contender. I mean, it's the splits versus Bolo, which is a an intense race. <laughs> Golden cum dumpster. <laughs> yes, that's what I was implying. Oh, I didn't even hear what you said. I said some kind of dumpster for him. Uh, <laughs> oh, that was a better joke. <laughs> All right. I'm that just glad it. you moved on, <laughs> children. <laughs> I almost asked, isn't it a little old for you? <laughs> All right. Uh, Chad is checking in with a new guy who's got a ponytail and a confusing accent in the uh, karate class while Frank is looking at pictures of Alex, the twin. He comes in to teach the karate class, and this one dude starts talking shit because like, yeah. of the way he's in the dressed. ponytail, yeah. Yeah, and I said, I know this dude ain't talking shit when he got a pink robe on. <laughs> yeah, that was I, the other thing. A lot of pink robes in there for some reason. I'm not I'm not in martial arts. I don't know the meanings of like all the different belts other than black belts like the highest or whatever. But is there any meaning behind pink robe? Is that like I mean it's a thing. It looks like it's mostly for children. The greater jiu-jitsu community is quite a bit more relaxed when it comes to gi colors. While some academies have strict white gi-only requirements during class, most academies don't, which is why you'll see jiu-jitsu practitioners rocking everything from gray and green to camo, pink, and everything in between. The ponytail starts talking shit, asks if he's the ballet teacher. 
Uh, Chad asks to see one of his special kicks. The guy misses him, and Chad clocks him with his foot. Attaboy. Just wrecks him. Frank uh, calls Chad up to the office. He says that they're going to Hong Kong. Hong Kong? This I can't is, tell if he's trying scene. to do an American accent in this movie. Yeah, he is. His accent is extremely tough to overcome, but you can't fault his effort because he's really going for it. He well, is, and yeah. also, the script writing was excellent because they dropped off Alex at a French monast- a monastery or orphanage. Yeah. And then later on, uh, I guess in this scene, Frank tells him that he raised him in France. We right. lived in France all that time, right? So, which yeah. is funny because he's Belgian. So I would have figured, like, wouldn't Van Damme just like embrace where he's from? But no. yeah, but uh, in other movies, he's like French Canadian and stuff. Like he really does go for the French background. I think they probably thought m- most Americans won't know that they speak French in Belgium, so they had to pick somewhere places that were like clearly we speak french here frank wants him to run a business in hong kong frank tells him he's not his uncle and he wasn't born in france just raised him there chad replies any more surprises like maybe i own a grocery store in zimbabwe yeah that was was improvised yes absolutely first of all he says you're not my uncle you're not my (laughs) uncle and i said he's acting his ass off that was the scene i did between Hong Kong and You're Not My Uncle, he was absolutely acting his his ever-loving ass off right there. And then right after that, as they're question as he's like questioning him about the business running the business in Hong Kong and all that, Frank says, really moments after he told him I'm not your uncle, he said, Have I ever given you any reason not to trust me? I said, Bro, you just told him you lied to him for twenty-five years. <laughs> I would say yes. You've got plenty of reasons. <laughs> All right. They're flying to Hong Kong, and Van Damme has on some really short pink shorts. Oh, yeah. They're not called longs. Am I right, fellas? Drink it in. Drink it in. Frank takes him to a mahjong parlor. People at the parlor oh, seem Oh, no, 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 no. Hold what? on. You can't go to the parlor first. You can't skip the van ride. <laughs> like, does he have ADD? Like, all this, like, he's literally bouncing off the walls of the van. On their way to the to the, uh, to the to what he thinks is the hotel, but turns out to be the, the mahjong uh, parlor, right? And he's kind of like he's all over the place. And then when they get there, like, wow, we gotta go to the hotel. He's like, no, no, we gotta stop here first. It's like, come on, let's go to the hotel, shower, shave. It's very seductive. It's almost like he's trying to get Frank to come back. Now he knows it's not his uncle. It's like open season. <laughs> Okay. Wait, what are you implying here? Whoa, yeah, what? You didn't you didn't pick up on that at all? At that, you like, think he's trying to fuck Frank? It kind of felt like it in that scene. Did it? I don't, I don't know it? about that. <laughs> Didn't it? He also wants to go shopping because Belgians be shopping, right? Yeah, Belgians <laughs> yeah. Do be shopping. Belgians be shopping. All right. Frank takes him to a mahjong parlor. People at the parlor seem to be very familiar with him, and the guy who's like running the counter or something says, here's your tea, hot, just the way you like it. Yeah, that's what people do when they hand other people drinks. Absolutely. Remind them that's how they like it. Yeah, here's your old-fashioned with bourbon, just the way you like it. That's what the bartender (laughs) always says to me. Here's your Capri Sun, chilled, just how you like it. (laughs) That's what means. Oh, my God. I'm gonna pee, man. <laughs> Another guy randomly gives him money. 
just a wad of money. And then a hot blonde walks up, sizing up Chad. She says, very nice. And she calls him into the other room. Now, have you ever noticed that women in the movies, particularly women who are supposed to be very seductive, kind of like, this is the love interest, whatever. They always walk like they're on a tightrope. Those are called heels, I mean. Does that is that what heels do? That they make you put one foot in front of directly in front of the other rather than regular steps? I think that's an angle thing. So I don't know if you notice like when women take pictures and they put the one leg out in front of the other. Right. That that's yes. an angle thing. Sure. But like this woman was walking like that. And women in the nineties in these movies, and it was like doo, 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 you'd like a saxophone would come on. That's how you'd know that she's like the love interest. Yeah. You'd hear a saxophone. <laughs> And they would walk. That's what we're pretending a saxophone sounds like. Yeah, kind of. You know. Okay. <laughs> and then, and then they would walk one foot in front of the other like that. Mace, could you do me a favor and play an actual saxophone after his saxophone? <laughs> it is like the seductive walk. Yes, the footsteps that just make one single file trail. She takes him into a back room and she unzips his shorts. She reaches into his pants, feels his silk boxers, asks about more surprises. He says he's got a big surprise, a huge yeah. surprise. Van Damme I, talks about his dick a lot. He does in this movie. He does definitely. And I said, if a girl sticks her hands down my pants and her first reaction is a comment on my underwear, something is very wrong. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Sheldon Lettich probably wrote these scenes, right? Yeah, because you know. I, I would have. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah, Van Damme probably is just more of the fighting. He's too humble you know, to yeah. write this for himself. <laughs> Van Damme ad-libbed the, the big surprise part. <laughs> <laughs> it is a surprise. Magnificent surprise. Uh, he then gets tapped on the shoulder. It's the evil version of him, and he gets headbutted into unconsciousness. Yeah. Uh, Not evil, just like more uh, rougher on the edges. Evil. Yeah, I guess rougher. Alex has a French accent as well, as you explained. French monastery school, right? Yep. As Chad is coming to, Alex says, looks like me. You of all people should know I would never wear black silk underwear. Look at him. A faggot. I don't know good saying that word, but it's said a couple of times in this movie. Yes, I have problematic. I mean, normally our podcast likes to focus on a different word. So this was a change of pace. Retarded? 1991. He said it. Empty the chamber. Go ahead, Zach. Get them all out. Got that pandemic. (laughs) (laughs) Frank explains their twin brothers. Alex says to get the fuck out. Frank says, have you ever heard of Nigel Griffith? And then the woman says, that's like asking if you've heard of Donald Trump. Oh, I said another Trump reference. 1991. Problem child was uh, 1990. Yeah, that's crazy, man. This dude was a big deal back then, huh? Yeah, unfortunately still is. Frank explains that the triads tried to take out the family. He shows Alex a picture of the uh, Wagner family portrait. This dude is the worst storyteller ever. He's a terrible storyteller. He's terrible, and he gets so animated at the wrong parts. And then he goes, oh, you're a parent. I'm like, what are you yelling at me for? Yeah, he's yelling in weird ways. But this is also the first scene where we really get side-by-side Van Damme, Chad and Alex. Oh, yeah. Maze, you know what Van Damme's doing in this scene? That's right. Acting his ass off. Acting his ass off. He's acting his ass off in this scene. Twice! He should have gotten two Oscars for this one. Uh, he says, take your fancy clothes and your black silk underwear and go back go to back Disneyland. Go back to Disneyland, which it's is like, such fan- a... Fancy clothes? 
It is fancy because he's he wearing got like pink a, shorts and a green polo. What are we yeah. talking about? Yo, dude, the dude grew up in a in a freaking orphanage, man. You think polos and pink shorts are something that's just readily available? And he's got leather boxes? jackets. No, man, that's like all rough and tumble stuff. No, man, I'm totally with Alex on this scene. And by the way, go back to Disneyland is an amazing, an amazing disc towards anyone who's from Southern California. They oh, it is. That. Yeah. Because it's like, he's <laughs> just reduced everything that all their like combined experiences growing up to just some place, a play, play place, a fantasy land. Especially, especially if you live in L.A. Oh, because yeah. that's just in Anaheim. And yeah. that's not, those are two different worlds. We don't care. We don't care. People like me and Alex don't care. <laughs> All right. They've decided to take on the Chinese mob together. Uh, now they're on a ship. It kind of looks like a pirate ship. Yeah, yes, a little bit. That's yeah. True. Chad is wearing an infuriating tie and shirt combo that just completely blends together. It doesn't match. It blends. There's a big <laughs> difference. Frank notices some assault rifles on the boat, and then another ship uh, heads them off. Three bo- three men board the ship with a metal briefcase, and it turns out they're buying Mercedes Benzes with trunks uh, full of cigarettes and cognac and some kind of electronics. Yeah, that's how you, that's called efficiency. That's how you get more bang for your buck. Alex says they don't get those cars in China, to which Chad says, "Yeah, the UN should give you a prize." No, oh, that's such a great man. Yo, my man Alex has all the things. No, Chad said that to him. Oh, no. Chad said that to Alex. He's giving it back. Yeah. That's right. That's right. That's right. My fault. The Hong Kong Marine Police are busting them, to which the guy who made the deal thought that he was set up. So, how do cop boats hide? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, there's some confusing boat logic in this movie in general. (laughs) They're like, ha, surprise. They're like, you're in a boat, though. They're like, gotcha, bitch. Like, it's not a submarine. There's not a, a building you can hide behind. Right. So there's a fight sequence. He crushes the guy in the balls with the suitcase, and then kicks a few guys off the off the boat. Did you notice throughout the entire fight sequence, the cigar never drops? Never drops. Always, Always, Always working that cigar, oh, dude. That Alex is a badass man. <laughs> oh man! And now we got a boat race with the Marine police chasing them during the fight. Alex, instead of throwing this dude off the boat, he just gestures, and the dude runs and jumps off. Yeah. 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 He knew what was up. Bad Frank was firing a machine gun at guys. A lot of murder in this movie, yeah, by the I, way. I, a lot of murder. <laughs> They're pushing the cars off the boat to try to lose weight so they can go faster. And then once the cars are off the boat, Frank shoots the cars in the water, and they explode. Uh, and I said, how is that a deterrent? Just go around it. That's the thing. <laughs> it stops the police boats dead in their tracks. Up. Yeah. Oh. Can't go this way no more. Mid-size sedan Mercedes Benz is on fire in water, by the way. <laughs> also, I said, how do they not have radios to other cop boats? Like, it's the only I, boat. It's their only police boat. Welcome to Hong Kong. <laughs> and I said, welcome to Hong Kong. Literally some shit I've always wanted to say. Even that all those action, I guess I'm not making that up to be yeah. funny. You know, in all the action movies where, like, stuff goes wrong, and at the end of the scene, guy walks up and says, welcome to wherever, welcome to Tangier, whatever. Yeah. When I was a kid, when I was living in Sudan, I lived in a part of town called South Khartoum. And it was always kind of crazy because, like, right in front of my house was, like, a major inter- intersection where there was, like, a, uh, like a uh, pretty uh, major bus stop. And uh, there was always, like, a weird accident or something would happen. And every time, I always imagined myself, like, putting on sunglasses and then turning and looking at 
someone who wasn't from around here said, "Welcome to South Cartoon." <laughs> that was that was like my dream in life was to be able to utter those words after something crazy had just happened. And so it always warms my heart when I see it in the movies. Like someone says, "Welcome, welcome to Hong Kong," because he said it's so cool and offhanded. Like, yeah, around here we call this. Tuesday. So now they're eating. Chad is uh, worried about the Chinese food. He's eating dumplings and says, what's it supposed to do? Make my dick bigger? <laughs> what? <laughs> and then Danielle laughs and then she looks embarrassed when Alex is pissed that she laughed. Yeah. She's, also, no, what she's does Alex done. expect here? Like, no, they're in on. love and she looks and he looks the exact same. No, no. It's, it's one thing for... But he's a faggot. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. All right, not me. You know, it's it's one thing it's one thing for her to mistake him the first time. Yeah, it's an honest mistake. He, he kind of went overboard, but he shouldn't have. But that was the moment at that little lunch where I'm like, "Bitch, like, wait a second, like, what's happening?" She here? can't find him funny or charming. No, not like that. All right. Curious that what was, he thinks. Does he think all Asian food that, that makes was incredibly flirtatious? Well, when you're John Claude Van Damme. Uh, they're trying to figure out the documents to the, the ownership of the tunnel. Frank says he doesn't need documents because he has the scars. He was there. And Daniel says that's not how that works in the court of law. That's <laughs> a great line. And Frank says the only court of law that Zhang knows Zang. is a 12-gauge shotgun <laughs> that splattered Mr. Wagner's head all over the street, to which I was like, Jesus, this their parents. Yeah, he was yeah. talking real casual he, about he it. Real blunt about it. And also, we need, we absolutely need the sound of him like, Zhang! Because he gets, like, actually gets him he up does, in the morning. He does, man. It gets him up in the morning to be able to say that name. Zhang! She walks away. Alex says that she worked for Griffith for five years, and Chad perfectly delivers. Oh, great! She's going to tell him everything. Yes. By the way, Alex is he wearing a duster in this in this scene? <laughs> he got a real that. long trench coat. <laughs> is that what it's called? It's called a it's duster. Called a duster, right? Well, I Isn't didn't that? Know that. That was a whole thing on It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Yeah. Mac always wanted to wear a duster. Can we stop for a second and talk about this. What? What's with that jacket? I was going to wait on that. Uh, oh, I think we should go over no, the jacket no, now. Hear about it now. Well, first of all, it's not a jacket. It's a duster. It's like a jacket, only it's longer, thicker, and far more badass. I look like Lorenzo Lamas, and women find it irresistible. Well, that part's just simply not true. Yeah. <laughs> Alex chases down, down Danielle, and then we cut to a scene where Chad is approached by some henchmen on the street. They think he's Alex. They force him into the car with Raymond Zhang, and Bolo is the driver. Do henchmen ever argue about who gets to sit shotgun? Would you want to sit shotgun if you're the henchman? Mm. I think I'd want to be in the back, man, because henchmen get shot at. I don't know. I'd go shotgun with a shotgun, like Bolo. (laughs) Like Bolo. (laughs) When in doubt. What would Bolo do? Because you're not driving, right? Like, driver is lower on the totem pole. Unless you're really good at it. And then, obviously, middle bitch is lowest. No, but it's never that. Because the boss sits in the middle, right? Or no? Or does he sit like in his, on the side? All right, we got to look for this going forward, I guess. Seat placement. Well, the boss was back left. But they also had a, a whole separate car. There, there were two cars. One full of henchmen and one full of the boss and Bolo. Oh, shit. Okay, so that's it. You want to be with the boss in the back of the other car. I don't know, man. I guess. That's when you know you're the big dog. But isn't that the car that everyone's most likely to shoot at? The one with... With the boss in there? No, because it's the second one. No, I'm, I'm not so certain. That's how but, it works. But here's the problem with that is when you go pick someone up and you're the guy who sits next to the boss in the back, you got to go to the other car. <laughs> you got to move to the, the other car. 
<laughs> and then you probably have to sit bitching because everyone else has their, has their. Bolo's not sitting middle bitch, dude. Yeah, no, Bolo's not. Are you kidding me? Of course not. <laughs> Zane Bolo wants them boys sitting each other's lap. And he likes to he likes to spread out too. So you got three you got three in one seat. You got two laps going. All right, Zang wants to discuss moving white powder instead of just cognac and cigarettes. He doesn't think Alex is himself. Bolo says the police are down his neck ever since that incident in, in the harbor. Zhang has the cigar box that Frank gave Alex's father. How do I ask this question without sounding racist? There are a lot of mullets uh, in this movie. Okay. Oh, and I get- didn't know that an Asian mullet was a thing. All right. So so that's the very next scene you're talking about. There's yes. A dude, there's, an, there's an Asian dude. Also, there's a- not a single suit that fits anybody in this movie. <laughs> there's an Asian dude. Everything with- is 2000 draft night in the NBA. <laughs> uh, hold on. On the context of suits, why do henchmen wear suits? Yeah, it doesn't make a whole lot of tactical sense. Right. And that's, that's going to come back up later. Because there's gonna be there's gonna be a, a scene where I'm like ah someone has violated this this henchman rule but for the most part why do henchmen wear suits it's just it's just not a not practical for what they're doing well is Zhang a businessman well Zhang is like like he's a, a businessman yeah because Griffith wow. is a a businessman yeah Griffith, well yeah Zhang Zhang is a biz, a businessman okay so, so, so I feel like it's just to maintain that type of profile no yeah uh, but 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 no but Zhang is clearly into some illicit stuff this and earlier frank called them triads right when he said who killed their parents he said the right. triads did it Zhang is definitely a triad <laughs> right but also here's another thing why did he keep that cigar box for 25 years 25 years and the lighter finally craps out <laughs> yeah no, and, then, <laughs> and then finally hold on yeah 25 years and then he tosses the lighter it's like this can't be refilled. he just throws it away <laughs> Also, the Asian dude just doesn't have a mullet. He has an 80s-style perm mullet. Yeah. That, that's what makes it amazing. It's not that he has a mullet, because I've seen Asian guys with the mullets. Okay. But they're using just, like, the regular straight hair. This dude had, like, the, what's my man, Christopher Cross, uh, Richard Marks, like, perm going. You guys know who that is? Do you guys know either of those musicians are? I know Christopher Cross because he was the last person to sweep the Grammys before Billie Eilish did it. There you go. And then Richard Marks is the one. This you, Everyone knows the song. Wherever I go, oh, yeah, whatever yeah, yeah. you do, I will be right here waiting for you. Wherever it takes, or at a heartbreak, I will be right here waiting for you. Oceans apart. They have to. They, okay. Well, anyways, that's the kind of mullet that dude has. <laughs> Which song was that? I will be right here waiting for you. I believe is the name of the song. <laughs> they pull up to an empty compound that's got like some empty like shipping containers. Uh, Zhang wants Alex to work for him and says he'll make a lot of money. And Chad says, "You go fuck yourself." Chad is now yeah. fighting henchmen <laughs> one by one. Well, after one of the henchmen gets hit. Or gets kicked, Bolo comes up and breaks his neck. Unbelievable. That's real. A, some ruthless efficiency right there. Yeah. What a badass. You've embarrassed me. Is Bolo Young the Chinese Steven Seagal or is Steven Seagal the American Bolo Young? Oh, man. There's only one Bolo. Let me tell you that. First of all. Second of all, the note I wrote was Bolo killed his own man just like Rudy Gobert who promised vengeance, right? <laughs> Remember Rudy Gobert promised vengeance for not getting calls or getting ejected yeah. or whatever? 
And so he brought vengeance by infecting his own teammate. You know how crazy, like, that's like the, the number one like way you want to show someone how crazy you are in a fight? You fuck up your own guy. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, that's where I'm at. Bolo took it a step further. I was like, I'm going to kill my old man. <laughs> he killed him. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> like, do you understand? Like, if you're in a fight, like, I'm going to fight all, all five of these dudes. I got it. Don't fall I'm great at karate, whatever. And then a dude further looks like Bolo. Right. Steps up, and his first act is to kill one of his own men. By the way, man, if I'm one of Bolo's, like, co-henchmen, I'm keeping coronavirus, like, spacing between us at all times. It's six feet between us at all times. I can't trust that dude. Because you know that's not the first time he's done it. They had Yo, to have been expecting it. All I can think of is all the henchmen around Bolo thinking the same thing. Like, <laughs> it's like, oh, he just killed my own guy. I better keep my space. <laughs> I wonder if I've been like, uh, there's one guy thinking like, fuck, man, Steve owed me like 100 bucks. Like, <laughs> I'm never getting that money back. <laughs> uh, then, or is there is there anyone who's like he kind of had it coming like that yeah he's like you know what johnny was some, a some, dick man johnny tried to <laughs> beat that old man that one time like we're not he's no, not no. part of this not even that not even that it's like you know some people will be watching this fight for the first time and say wow that's an overreaction but if you've been around you know steve's been <laughs> fucking around for a long time man <laughs> fucking up fights getting other people hurt i'm glad bolo got rid of him <laughs> So now Chad tries to kick Bolo, and Bolo wrecks his nuts. Just absolutely <laughs> obliterates his cool, by the way, Bolo. No, <laughs> he just killed his own man for getting kicked. I mean, what did you expect? I said, wow, a low blow by Bolo. <laughs> Bolo's a dick puncher. Bolo is a dick puncher. And, yo, he Damn. beats the shit out of him in the <laughs> oh container. Oh, my God. I mean... No, no. <laughs> no, love for, no, no love for the word or for the word played love love by Bolo no fuck no. you <laughs> <laughs> he just beat the shit out of him he beats the ever loving shit out of him like just <laughs> I mean he's throwing him against the container at one point like Chad's clearly done and he's just throwing him into the side of the container just being a dick. It looked impressive. Like, it looked like it was actually JCVD taking it, you know? It did, yeah. It really did. So now we cut to Chad telling Alex and Frank what happened. And then we have Danielle in an office filing room and some evil oh, security before, woman checks before on her. we get that, someone, I don't know who says it because all I have is a quote. Is let's, well, it's probably Uncle Frank now that I read the quote. Oh, it's Frank. Oh, it's Frank. Let's quit flogging the log here. <laughs> That's a pardon? Sick masturbation <laughs> reference, Frank. All right, Daniel gets confronted in a filing room by this evil security woman who was ripped. This woman Whoa, is shit. Right. How do you know she's evil? How do you know she's evil? Because she's dressed in all one, black. Not just in all black. Black leather. Yeah, Head black leather. Toe. Yep. And and I said that woman has a lot of leather on. Just don't fart. <laughs> it's also there's no real mobility with leather pants. Well, I don't think she, at that point, she doesn't have to have mobility, but we'll see She's later. security. Oh, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Alex wants her to find documentation of the tunnel's ownership, and the, which I wrote, is it possible to own a tunnel? Like, is that a thing that actually happens? You own a tunnel? I mean, anything's possible in Hong Kong, man. I guess that, that's that true. Pre-1997 Welcome. Hong Kong. Welcome to Hong Kong. There you go. Danielle tells Alex to give Chad a big kiss for her on the phone, Did and he says he's going to give a big kick in the ass. And I said, bitch, you just met him, you thirsty hoe. See, that's how I wow. know. Like, oh, so she can't even uh, she can't even laugh at his jokes? Like, no, because I could tell. That wasn't a regular, ha-ha, that's pretty funny, dude. That was a, give him a big kiss for me. They just met. 
What you talking about? Give him a big. Maybe kiss? she's just teasing the guy she loves because then he says, "I love you." Yeah, he's he definitely he says it by the way under his under his like. Yeah, he does. Yeah, <laughs> he definitely does that. I've I've told this story before about someone I used to work with <laughs> in Phoenix who would call his significant other, and every single time the conversation would sound exactly like this. Hello? Yeah. No. Yeah. No. No. We're working pretty late here. That's all right. Yeah. Guys say hi. Me says hi. Okay. Well, what do you want to do for dinner? Okay. I'll pick up some on the way back. All right. All right. I love you. Like the most. (laughs) Like the the conversation is so perfunctory, and then when he gets to that, I love you. (laughs) Ah, ah, We used to wait. He says, I love you. Uh, We're about to go into a compound. And we're also about to go into part two of the Double Impact, two Van Dams, two episode podcast of Double Impact here on Cinephobe. Uh, Make sure you check out the second episode uh, in your feed now. Next time we make love, you introduce me to Jade.